a, a supernatural sense of peace for these families during this time of loss. Father, words can't come to mind to express our condolences to these families. We, uh, we give them to you and ask that you would speak to them. Thank you so much for the blessings you've given us, for our children, our friends, our spouses, um, our church. Father, help us to never take those relationships for granted. Help us to value them, to cherish them, to build them up, to strengthen them. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> All right. If you have your Bible, <clears throat> I just invite you to turn to Luke. Joel read the passage for us this morning, and so thank you, Joel, for doing that. Um, I honestly do love Christmas. It, it really is one of my favorite times of the year, and, and I think for several reasons. One of the reasons I do, um, I do get two weeks or so vacation from school, and my paycheck is still the same. One of the uh, advantages of being a teacher, and you know, one of the reasons why I like that is just I get to spend time with my family, and uh, it's a time that we can slow down and just enjoy being together, and so I hope that, I wish that for you in these coming weeks, that you can do that, that you can slow down and just enjoy this season, enjoy the time with your family, to value that. It's, uh, it, it is truly amazing. Uh, how fast time goes by and, um, you know, my boys are getting older and just really have to be deliberate and to enjoy it. And I, um, you know, one of the things that's been helpful for me in my life is, um, you guys all know that I'm, I'm close friends with Brian Renner, but he's 10 years older than I am. And his boys are about 10 years older than my boys uh, of how they've been staggered out. And so, it's just, it's valuable just to enjoy the stages of life and just, just have fun with your families. And so I hope you can do that. This morning as we look at the passage, it is about the message that is given and how Mary responds to the message. The message is from the angel Gabriel that announces that God is stepping into our silence that heaven steps into the routine of life and forever changes the history of the world during this time. So the story begins in chapter 1 of Luke. Verse 5 says this, In the days of Herod, the king of Judea. During this time period, as we know, Rome is ruling the world. King Herod is a puppet king of Israel appointed by Rome. He is a ruthless, violent, brutal king who will manipulate and, and do whatever he can to preserve power. Israel has been looking for their Messiah, for someone to come rescue them for centuries. For hundreds and hundreds of years, they've been under oppression. And so during this time, during this time of, of the Christmas season, in your mind... Just think historically that it's a time of, of political upheaval, social, um, spiritual, political. In every sense, it was just a tense time uh, in this nation, in, the, in this area of the world during this time. 
most of us know or some of us know that between the Old Testament and New Testament, there are about 400 years of silence. And basically that's in reference to that no prophets are speaking to the people of Israel. And so there is a time of oppression, a time of silence, a time of longing for a rescue, a time of longing for the Messiah. 400 years. Think about that just for a moment. All right, I'm going to give you just a very short, a short reference, a time reference of about 400 years ago. All right, and you have to remember I teach American history. All right. 1607, about 400 years ago, the first permanent English colony is founded. It is called Jamestown. Jamestown. Okay, Mr. Young, Rob Young cannot answer any of these. He's another history teacher. All right, 1607, think about this. About 400 years, think about what's happened in our world. 1607, Jamestown, the first Permanent English colony. That's 400, about 400 years ago. 1611, King James Bible is published for the first time. The old King James version about 400 years ago. 1616, for all my literature, English literature and poetry fans, a really famous person dies in 1616. His name is William Shakespeare. 400 years ago. Pilgrims arrive in Plymouth, 1620. English philosopher John Locke is living during, during this time. And according to Wikipedia, the first known recipe for flavored ice cream is published in 1674. Glory. There you go. Glory, hallelujah. <laughs> yes. All right, 400 years. That's a, you know, when we think about our country... That's about, approximately now, you know, half the length of our country. So there's a long, that's a long period of time, a longing of people for the Messiah to come. The message does come, all right? If you have your Bible, look at it. Verse 26 says, In the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel, that is <clears throat> the sixth month of the pregnancy of Elizabeth, who is the mother of John the Baptist, Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Gabriel is one of two angels named in the Bible. And whenever he's named, he is referred to as like the messenger of God. He's referred to here. He's referred to in Daniel. And he is the, <clears throat> he, excuse me, he is the messenger <clears throat> that delivers the life-changing message excuse me, that God is coming, that heaven is breaking into our silence. This message, the message, the Christmas message that God has come has tremendous implications. And I was just thinking through that this week and, and, and reading and studying. And, and it, it has significance in your life to understand Christmas. It has significance for our church so often, people have a misunderstanding of what Christianity is about. Here's what it, here's what it is not. When the, Gabriel, when the angel Gabriel, Gabriel announces that God has come, it's significant, significantly different than, 
here's a rule book. The rule book has come, and here's how you live your life. So many people think of Christianity as a system of rules. The message is not, here's the rule book, live your life based on these rules, work really hard, stay strong, do your best. God stays up in heaven, I send down the rules, you do your best and work really hard. Stay strong. Strong-willed, self-determined to live a good moral life. Declare yourself righteous. Make yourself, earn, make yourself morally good and earn your way to heaven. That's not the message. The message is that God, who is up high, comes down to earth, becomes weak. He's the suffering servant, the one who dies on the cross to offer the message of grace. And so understanding Christmas at its core is the message that God has come. He steps into our silence. Four just quick things about the message that we'll point out from the, from the passage. And here, this is the message from Gabriel. Number one, Chapter 1, verse 37 says this, For nothing will be impossible with God. So number one, the number one thing, and these aren't in, in, in order of priority, but this is the message that Gabriel sends to us. Number one, that nothing is impossible with God. Virgins get pregnant. Mary asks, what in the world are you talking about, about, Gabriel? Let me give you three places in the Bible. Genesis, write these down if you'd like to take notes. Genesis 18.14, referring to Sarah and Abraham, says this. Genesis 18.14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Job 42.2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arms. The message from Gabriel is this, is that nothing is impossible with God. When we think about the Christmas season, and as we're going into this and we spend more time with our families, we think about our relationships, we think about things we have in our lives, we think about people that are hard to get along with. We have financial stress during this time sometimes. The message from Gabriel is this, that God has come to earth and that nothing, that nothing in your life is impossible for God. Whatever burden you're carrying, whatever thing seems insurmountable in your life, the message is this, that God has come and nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is impossible for God to solve in your life. Second, we see that Jesus will establish a new kingdom that will be forever. The second part of the message from Gabriel is that Jesus will establish a new kingdom that will be forever. Look at verse 32. The angel says this, referring to Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God will give him a throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom 
there will be no end. His kingdom, there will be no end. He will reign as the king of kings forever. His authority will endure forever. I I was thinking about this this week. In in this concept of, of the king and the kingdom, I think if we're honest with ourselves as Americans, it's kind of, it's a foreign concept to us. When we think of monarchy, at least in my mind, I probably have some irreverent attitudes towards royalty in England, and it's almost a, a, a sham of authority, although there's obviously there's tradition and value in that. But the idea of a monarchy of our king is counterintuitive to us. As Americans, we love to hear our voices heard. We want to, to offer our input. In fact, there's a part of it that you can even argue that it's been a political agenda of our country to spread democracy throughout the whole world as best we can. And I am, while, yes, I, I am a proponent, it seems like to me like it is the best form of government while we live here on earth. But there's something rather profound for all of us to think about. Heaven is not a democracy. Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and forever will he reign. It is the most beautiful and pure form of government when the king is all-loving, all-powerful. He's perfect. And Gabriel says two times that his kingdom will reign forever. And so when we think about the Christmas season and we get to enjoy some time of rest, enjoy time with family, the message that has to be in our minds of the Christmas story is that God has come, that he has stepped into our silence, that he can do the impossible. But know this, that he is the king and he will reign and rule forever. The third thing that Gabriel says, verse 35, is that this baby Jesus will be God. Verse 35 says this, And the angel answered Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Two times in the passage, Gabriel refers to God as the Most High. Think about this just for a second. The angel Gabriel leaves heaven, comes to earth, and has a message for Mary. God, the Most High, refer to him all throughout the Old Testament in the Psalms, the Most High God. How does he come? The Most High becomes low. The Most High Sovereign God becomes low. You won't find him born in a palace you'll find this babe, the vulnerable babe, born in a manger. The high God becomes low. And that's why it's so significant. Second Corinthians, here's Paul's take on this. He says, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God the most high has become low. So you will be lifted up when you understand the gospel message. The babe is laying in straw. 
in the manger. He becomes weak so that we can become strong in him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says this, from the message version, says this, He had equal status with God, referring, this is Jesus. Jesus had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a servant. He became human. God leaves the perfect place in heaven and sends his son, Jesus Christ, to be the babe. The babe is described in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, this way. For unto us is born, a son is given, the, governor, the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The message from Gabriel is that God is stepping into our silence. I know that it's true in you know, a group this size that many of you have, have difficult memories of the Christmas season. It's possible that you were raised in an alcoholic family where you have memories of, of people in your family getting intoxicated, being an embarrassment longing for something else. And maybe it's even a painful time of year. I speak of such things because that was my family. I could not wait. One of the most beautiful things for all of you single people out there, one of the most beautiful things about life is you get to choose your spouse and you get to create your own culture and your own family. Whatever your past has been, whatever things are hurtful or or discouraging or created frustration, and all of you that are married, it's Christmas 2012. Create the culture you want in your family. Create a place of joy. Create something new. Be creative. Do something new that gets to the heart of Christmas. That God has come near. Live your life with the understanding that all things are possible with God. That his judgment, that his reign, excuse me, his reign and rule will be forever. And this God, this most high God, became low. Was born in a stall with animals in the straw. That's the message. Look, let's look at Mary for just a, mo- a moment. Mary is such an, an, inter- an interesting young woman. So who is Mary, and how does she respond to this message? message? Well, let's go back up to the beginning. Mary is first found um, in the beginning. Verse 26 says this again. Sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city called Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. All right, maybe you've heard this before, maybe you haven't, but hold your breath. Mary is probably 12, 13, 14 years old, a young, what we would call today, one of my students, a girl, but a young woman. And this is interesting, and this is just kind of giving you the historical facts. 
they would do this. They would get mar- One of the reasons why they would get married at such a young age, or they would become engaged or betrothed, which is a more official form of engagement than we have today, it was a way of maintaining and preserving their virginity, that they could be pure before they got married. And I know that, that culturally, it's not as big of a deal today, but just think about this for a moment. If you're a young person, the, the Bible this is just a beautiful picture of valuing this. It's countercultural. You will get mocked. It, countercultural message. The message Gabriel gives is this you're going to be pregnant. Now you just have to think again. Middle Eastern culture, a long time ago, you're betrothed. It's not too hard to even think about this today. Use your imagination. You're engaged to be married, and you find out your spouse, man, that your fiancé is pregnant. Think about this time, even. She, she by, by her obedience, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, being pregnant out of wedlock during this time period you put yourself in a position for ridicule, for rejection, for being pushed away, possibly stoning, just a bad, bad, a bad situation. Verse 28 says this, going back to the story. Mary, most likely, based on uh, the original language, she's most likely she's in her house, working, cleaning, whatever, And the angel says this. Remember, 400 years. The angel Gabriel walks up to her and says, Hello. That's all he says. Hello. Hello, favored one. 400 years of silence. No prophets. Just a regular old girl. I don't know. I'm, uh, you know living in Lakewood, California, in a suburban tract that was built in 1940. She's cleaning her bedroom. And the angel Gabriel walks up to her and says, Hello. O favored one, the Lord is with you. Grace has been given to you. Verse 29, she's greatly troubled and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Gabriel says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will bear, you will, you will conceive and bear this child. Verse 34 says this. Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? It's a reasonable question, right? There is so much we can learn from the life of Mary. It doesn't matter, listen, it doesn't matter if you're an old man you can learn something from a 13-year-old Mary in this story. Number one, we see that a sincerity in her heart, a sincerity in her heart that even allows for her to ask questions. If there's, you know, this is one of the most important things for all of us to understand about our spiritual lives. Is you, it is great and good to ask questions, to ask sincere, honest questions. 
So many people, we just live our lives and just take everything in and don't think carefully about it. But Mary says this, this, just, this doesn't make sense. This is just an, auth, an authentic life, an authentic young woman. who we, We've all been there. This doesn't make sense, God. I don't understand this. The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so this supernatural act, this supernatural move of God will impregnate her with the Holy Spirit. Mary follows up with a question. Verse 38 then says this, and Mary said, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Think about what she's taking on. Just being, I mean, obviously I've never been pregnant, but just as far as just taking on all of that part of that, but then thinking about relationally with her, with her fiancé, Joseph, thinking about what her parents say. All you women out there, think back in time when you were 13 years old and you have to go home and tell mom and dad you're pregnant. What will that conversation be like? Imagine you have to go tell your fiancé you're pregnant. Mary is a perfect example of this. Life doesn't always make sense, but here's what she says. I am a servant of the Lord. Even when life doesn't make sense, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. When the Bible says things to you that doesn't make sense, you can ask questions. Mary asked questions. Sincere, honest questions. That's what Mary did. The angel confirms and elaborates what's to be expected. And her response is this. I am a servant of the Lord. A sweetness, a sincerity, a transparency, a desire to do what's right to follow the Lord. Verse 45 says this. Towards the end. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She, the Bible refers to her as a blessed woman. A blessed 13 or 14 year old. Why? Because she believed in the message. We won't look at it this morning, but she, her, in her heart, she writes this amazing song, this amazing piece of poetry We'll just look at the verse, verse 46, and that's it. And she says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Within her heart, within her life, she understands this, that God has come, that God is stepping into silence, that the beginning aspect of a world change forever is going to come through this regular, ordinary 13, 14-year-old girl living in a regular old town called Nazareth, and the world will be forever changed. God has come. Christmas is about this, that God has come, that he is stepping into your life. Let me finish up with this. Just three words, short words, I guess one phrase and the rest are words to help us understand this. God has come. The message is this, that God has come, he stepped into our silence, 
And the, the uh, angel Gabriel describes using these words, describing how God has come. Number one, the angel uses the word holy. Holy. It means set apart. Understand that that's who Jesus is, that he is holy, that he has been set apart. Next, the angel refers to Jesus as the Son of God, that he is deity, that that's who he is, that he is God in human flesh. Next, the angel Gabriel refers to and uses the word Jesus. The word simply means saves people from their sin. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn you. But in order that the world might be saved through him. That's who Jesus is. He's holy. He's God. He was sent to save people, not condemn them. The last word, and I hope you'll remember, is the word forever. Forever is forever. The reign and rule of Jesus is forever. When we understand that Jesus came to save, to not condemn, that he is the good, loving, benevolent, perfect, all-powerful king, that's who he is, it opens our eyes to the goodness of what it means to be a Christian. Enjoy the coming days and weeks with your family. My hope is it will shape our hearts, our attitudes, our minds around what it means to be a part of the Christmas season. And that is this, that God has come. He is stepping into your life. He's stepping into the silent areas of your life, those longings in your life to be fulfilled. He's entering in. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the Christmas story of of you. That Christmas is all about you. Father, we we recognize and we enjoy the season of giving gifts and being with our families. But Father, I pray that at the core we would understand that Christmas is about you entering into our lives. That you came to bring healing that you did not come to condemn the world, but to give life, life eternal. We thank you so much for what you're doing here, what you're doing in our lives. I just pray a blessing and protection over each person here and over their families. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.